I'm Jess. And I'm Amanda. And welcome to Originality Podcast. Welcome. Pull up a chair, sit back in your recliner, cozy up with a good cup of coffee. Or, you know, maybe you're at the gym. That's a good turn, place. Turn I, the speed up on the, what are you, the, 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 the treadmill. treadmill. Yeah. Yep. I was yeah. going to say escalator. <laughs> and I, I knew it wasn't right. But anyways, welcome. Yeah. Wherever you are listening, settle in. Today, we are going to dive into Atomic Habits, the book, mm-hmm. um, because we love to talk about the creative process, things emotionally, mentally that may hold us back from that process or um, not even just the creative side of things, but just the side of being an entrepreneur or an artist where you have to believe in yourself and you have to run your own life and And still show up and do the work yeah, and somehow do that Mm self-motivated, which is so much harder than it's very hard working for somebody else. But I started um, to read Atomic Habits maybe like a month and a half ago or something. Um, It's actually Joseph was on the podcast a couple episodes ago and we talked about it because it's his I read his copy of the book which I have right here in front of me and it's just I found that it was something that I need in order to move forward and the season that I'm in right now mm-hmm. I needed this book because I I'm just you know as a someone who's creative I feel like especially our kind of temperament um, of like being a highly creative, inspired, mostly spontaneous individual, having good habits or bad habits can literally make or break this journey. Um, And so I like have a list of good habits that I'm trying to form, bad habits. And actually it's literally helped as I started reading this book, I started (laughs) being able to read more because that's actually um, more of an anomaly in my life uh, right now is reading, which I want to be a good reader. Um, So I actually used the principles in this book to help me finish the book, which is super meta, but it worked. And um, so we're going to talk about how it's helped so far, um, and some of my favorite parts of it. And we literally are not associated with this book. We don't have an author to come and talk about it on our show. Definitely not. Uh, We're not that kind of podcast yet, but we just love it. So we are literally doing this from a passion of just wanting to improve. Yes. We are wanting to learn and grow and I've, I love reading books like this. I actually feel like I've read a lot, like in my, my thoughts on the book itself, I feel like there were a lot of, uh, illustrations or research studies that were referenced that I've actually come across in other books, like Essentialism and Effortless by Greg McCowan or The Power of Habit or, um, Finished by John Acuff or really anything by John Acuff. Like, cause all these authors are, are just, they're pulling from, all these different uh, the research that's out there mm-hmm. and if you're talking about maximizing your work or creativity like this is the stuff that people are going to reference yes and so i just felt like this book he did it 
in such a concise way and didn't, there was nothing in the book that was unnecessary. It was the minimal amount. Like he referenced at one point the, like how people started brushing their teeth more societally. Culture change happened because mint was added and it, there was a, a refreshing reward to that habit. So it made that habit more common. And uh, that illustration is... Listen, it works for me. <laughs> it, it works. So that's in the power of habit. But mm-hmm. it's like so long and so detailed and and very historical. And he just like very briefly mentions it. And I was like... That might have been a better... I like not that. Not a better way, but it's it was... For me, it's like... This is a great read because it is like it hits all of those examples and then it moves on and then it just mm-hmm. says, these are the ways that you can form a good habit. And okay, can I be totally honest? Yes. When I started reading this book, we like I got through like the first one or two chapters and I was like, how how is this going to be a whole book? I just I couldn't fathom that like there were more things to say about habit building, which maybe just means that I really don't have good habits. Um, But I was just like, is this really going to be helpful? Or is this just going to be a book that I read? And it's just like, you can do it for 12 chapters. But no, there were literal practical things new things every single chapter that it's like, try this, now try this, now add this, now try this, now add this. And it was like, oh, this is a real formula that um, each each chapter, each step, each little um, bit of advice was completely practical, Mm -hmm. completely applicable. And I already have like, I've been like waking up earlier. I've been reading more. I've been working out more consistently since Mm -hmm. I started reading this book. Yeah. So like personally, I feel like it's really helping. Um, And I, I can't wait to continue to, you know, implement the things that I learned. Yes. As someone who has ADHD, and severe and uh, has worked for myself for two years. And, and just in general, I struggle. Like I've struggled with ADHD. No, I got diagnosed when I was in third grade. I just struggle to get stuff done. I, I love books like this. Like I, I, I am so drawn to them because of the practical things that I just would not have naturally thought of and don't come naturally to me. Like uh, at one point he talks about just reducing friction. Like people mm-hmm. who are really successful people are really efficient. It's not that they are just, they work harder. It's that they're lazier. They just are smarter about how they do things and use how their time. How you structure your life. And I I probably wouldn't have read this book uh because I have read so many other books on habits, but Joseph Neville actually mentioned it to me probably back in like May, April, May, mm. and was like, oh no, you need to read this book. It's yeah, really good. Yeah, he's been good. on this book. That's why, yeah. I mean, like, that's literally why I'm reading it because he mentioned it and I was like, can I borrow it? <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah. That's perfect. So yeah, I think what makes this book different and, and maybe there's, uh, just from the other books that I've read on uh, habits is how he ties it into our understanding of identity and becoming early on in the book. Yes. In chapter two, it's, it's all about, yeah, 
chapter two, how your habits shape your identity. It's all about how every habit that you you have, it's a vote towards the person that you want to be, the person you want to become. And, but also your habits have, are the most evidence towards the kind of person that you are. Mm-hmm. Like it, it goes both ways. So, um, really the, the shift being more around, oh, I do this. I, I follow through on this habit because this is the kind of person I am mm-hmm. rather than, oh, I want to be this kind of person. So I'm just going to keep working harder and harder and harder to try and be this. Right. I, I like how he describes it because he says that um, people were more likely to stick with something if it was, if they considered it their, their identity. Mm-hmm. So for someone who wants to be a painter um, or not wants to be a painter, but like, let's say someone wants to paint more. That's an action. It's not an Mm -hmm. identity. They just want to paint more. Well, if they don't see themselves as a painter, they think that they're going outside of their identity to try and build this habit. So they're less likely to do it. But someone who sees themselves as a painter, they say, even if I haven't done it yet, I am a painter. So then when they walk up to the easel, they believe that they are creating from a from a place of identity. And so it's not as hard for them to do it. Um, so for me, as a songwriter, if I believe I am a songwriter, then those notions to to write songs and to go back to the journal, to go back to yeah. the piano and sit down. Um, it's going to be so much stronger than I want to be a songwriter mm-hmm. somewhere in I might my be. life. Yeah. Like I I'll turn into that if I keep on doing this. It's like, mm-hmm. no, no, no. Just tell yourself I am a songwriter. I am someone who works out. Mm-hmm. I, I wake up in the mornings and I exercise. I actually don't do that. But if I tell myself that, that that's who I yeah. am. I am much more likely to do it. And that's, it's kind of crazy. It's kind of ridiculous. It's kind of like low key, a little bit of just like self-hypnotism almost, um, which I think is a helpful tool. So, yeah. Yeah. I think it speaks so much to what we believe, the power of what we believe about ourselves and the, whether the truth or the lie and the battle of imposter syndrome in that Mm -hmm. process. If I believe because I have ADHD that I am not a focused person, well, how does that play out in my life? Right. Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Or because I was never the best person at sports. I could believe, well, I'm just not an athletic person and place that belief on myself. And that could be a huge inhibitor to like actually working out and doing Mm -hmm. the habits, forming the habits that help me thrive and help me focus and create in every other area of my life. Yeah. Because in that, in that like scenario, you're thinking like, oh, I'm just trying to do this thing that other people do. Yeah. Instead of this is what I do. This is who I am. This is what I do. I go to the mm-hmm. gym. I work out. It's yeah. it's a part of my life. And um, yeah, I think that for me personally has shifted in the last year. Mm-hmm. And that's been a huge part of me even being able to lose weight in the last year has yeah. been really not disqualifying myself as oh, well, that's for other people. That's not really who, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And just getting over that, like who even cares? Who, like who even cares? You're you're your biggest inhibitor. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. And so I think that it's, so they, he talks about identity in chapter two, and then he brings it up again at the end of the book in chapter 20. And he, I love what he says about avoiding making any single aspect of your identity an overwhelming portion of who you are. Yeah. Because he, I mean, he talks about how like if you are, you know, a, a young entrepreneur and you place your whole identity in that and then you sell your company, well then you, and you, do something mm-hmm. else you go through a whole identity crisis yeah and just like avoiding identity crisis and also yeah. giving space for how you view your identity to be kind of flexible and pliable so he's not saying so then don't put your identity on entrepreneurship just make sure that it's in a few different things like yeah. diversify who you believe yourself to be mm-hmm. i am a musician i'm a singer songwriter i'm also a wife Mm-hmm. I'm also just someone who likes to travel. I'm a traveler and yes. explorer. Like, so if we take mm-hmm. any one of those things away, I'm not left with nothing. You yeah. know, I, I challenged myself recently to write out um, just kind of bullet points of who I know myself to be outside of who I am in relationship to anybody else, what I've accomplished, what my talents and skills are, or what. I do for a living and to like verbalize like, well, I am this mm-hmm. and this is the kind of person.